Pleased to see you. Well, I've got the cold that everybody has, so uh, I'm a little, uh, little tony today. But I'm glad to be with you. Um, I looked really hard for a picture of what I think Sarah looks like. You know, one of the things we know from the scriptures, and uh, Pastor Reese and I were just talking about it, is that when she and Abraham began their journeys, um, she was like the hot item amongst all the other kingdoms that they went to. Um, but along the way, she continued to age. And so what the point that I want us to really be focusing on today, when uh, she gets that final promise that the baby Isaac is going to come to her, she's 90. Abraham is 99. And boy, have they been waiting a long time. This is the second in your series. Uh, you had that chance to look at Abraham. And so we're going to look a little bit uh, at some of those same kinds of words and promises because you really can't look at Sarah without looking at some of the Abraham connections as well. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, there is really only one single sentence that is directly connected to Sarah. And I want to invite you to read it with me. Would you join me? By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. How do you do waiting? You do a good job? About the only time I think I'm really comfortable waiting is when I'm in a short line at Disneyland, when I got the little ticket that allows me to come back at a certain time and cut ahead of everybody else. Not all of us are very good at it, and, and most of us, I think, struggle when there are things that we have to do and we have to learn along with the waiting. I want to invite you to, to open up your Bibles because I want to kind of jump a little bit through in some of the sections because I want us to see, we're going to be at Genesis chapter 12 to start with, uh, how this fits into Sarah's life. Uh, here's a phrase that's an important one for me, and you can see the question on the screen. What do you do when life doesn't match the script you wrote in your head? I mean, do you have a plan for your life? I remember as a college student, I had pretty pretty clear view of what I thought I was going to be. I was going to be an attorney, and I took a constitutional law class, and I hated research. Little did I know what does a pastor do an awful lot of his life in, but research, right? Then I thought I'd go into communications or radio, TV, or something like that, and and then it was a self-study program, and I didn't have the self-discipline, as my dad said back then, to find my way out of a wet paper bag. And then after a period of time of, of searching, of studying, of learning, God led me in through this path of, of ministry preparation. Uh, Kathy and I met, and you know, Kathy's right here, and we, she works here at Concordia, and and we had these plans, and we knew exactly what was going to happen. And we knew that as we went to the seminary, the first two years of education, and then the third year was our internship or our vicarage, and that was going to be the year we were going to have a baby. We're still waiting on that, by the way. God had other plans. We have two incredible young men in our lives, 31 and 26, that we adopted at birth. God had another plan. But it was the idea that we had to learn that sometimes the script that you write in your head 
isn't necessarily the life that you get to live. So how do you step into that with faith? Let's watch how Sarah kind of did some of this. Look with me in in chapter 12. Start at verse 2 and it says, I will make of you, he says, God says to Abraham, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Man, that's a broad promise, isn't it? So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And so they go. Wouldn't you kind of think at that point that that big, huge fulfillment would come at any time? But it didn't. There was more waiting. There was more preparing. There were more ups and downs and difficulties and challenges that they had to go through. Look over at chapter 15, would you, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield, your reward. You you shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless. He just needed to fit that in there, right? Got a reminder, the promise, but we're still childless. And the heir of my house is not even of my family. And Abram says, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. He brought him, and he brought him outside. And he says, Look toward the heaven. Number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. You see, that's, that's why there's a, that, that list of names in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Because there were people in the time prior to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, who believed in the promise of what God had made, and the promise of the one who was to come, and it was counted to them as righteousness. I'm sure Abram went back home, and, I, and I'm sure he, he went to Sarai, and he says, okay, babe, it's still coming. And she's waiting. I mean, at this point, everybody that she's known, everybody that she's grown up with that's going to have babies has been having babies. Kathy and I think back on that time at the seminary. Seminary's a baby factory. I mean, I think it's in the water. We even joked with our one couple of friends of ours who kept having babies to quit washing their underwear together. I mean, it was just the wrong thing to do. (laughs) Babies everywhere. And Kathy and I didn't. And the longing and the loss and the struggle. And, and then Sarah, impatience. You know what she does? I mean, this is a, a desperate person trying to give to her husband, trying to give to her family, trying to find a way to help God along. You've never done that, have you? Chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, (laughs) as if she needed to be reminded. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. 
Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. I think it's a little funny in that, okay? And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Sarah really thought that she had the solution for this, right? That this was going to be the way that at least from her family, from her husband, there was going to be the child, the heir that was going to carry things on to fulfill this promise of having all of the descendants like stars in the sky. And it backfires on her. I think there's a a guy who does, probably in this time period in the body of Christ, one of the better jobs of retelling scripture in in ways that engage and are kind of funny. And His name's Max Lucado, and and I just want to give you a, a couple of thoughts that he writes about this. It isn't the cozy family Sarah expected. And it's really not a topic Abram and Sarah bring up very much at dinner anymore. Fourteen years later, when Abram is pushing a century of years, and Sarah is 90, when Abram has stopped listening to Sarah's advice, and Sarah has stopped giving it, and when the wallpaper in the nursery is faded, and the baby furniture is several seasons out of date, when the topic of a promised child brings sighs and tears and long looks into the silent sky. God pays them a visit and tells them that he that they had better select a name for their new son. Abram and Sarah have the same response. Laughter. They laugh partly because it's too good to happen and partly because it might. They laugh because they've given up hope and hope born anew is always funny before it's real. Isn't that a great line? They laugh at the lunacy of it all. Get this. Abram looks over at Sarai, toothless and snoring in her rocker, head back, mouth open, as fruitful as a pitted prune and just as wrinkled. He cracks up. He tries to contain it, but he can't. He's always been a sucker for a good joke. And Sarai just as amused. When she hears the news, a cackle escapes before she can taint it. She mumbles something about her husband's needing a lot more than what he's got, and then laughs again. They laugh because it's what you do when someone says he can do the impossible. They laugh a little at God and a lot with God. Or maybe God is laughing too. And then with the smile still on his face, God gets busy and he does what he does best. He does the unbelievable. That's the kind of God we have. The one who does the unbelievable. The one who comes to a woman at 90 and gives her the gift of a baby. A gift that only God could give. A gift that became the people of Israel from Isaac and, for, and forward. There's some marvelous um, 
connections and parallels, I think, to another time, to another covenant, to a time when an angel came to a young woman, girl, 13, 14 years old, not a 90-year-old, and said something very similar. Will you trust me to do an incredible miracle in your life? Will you trust me that I will do something that no one will ever make any sense to anyone else because it's a miracle that only God can do? And the angel Gabriel said that to the young Mary. And as Sarah considered him faithful who had promised, Mary would later say, let it be done for me, as you have said. I think the story of Sarah is an incredible one. It's one of, of life, of perseverance. It's one of heartache. It's one of longing. It's one of fulfillment. And the reason I like it so much is it's so much like our lives, isn't it? Because not everything that we write in our head is going to be what we live out in our lives. And how do we learn to do that? How do we get to be the people of faith that we need to be? But here's the good news, and you see it on the screen. Faith grows because God is faithful. Faith grows because he knows what his promise is. Faith grows because he said when, he, when you were baptized that I'll be with you always and there's never a time that you'll ever be apart from me. And you can count on it and you can believe it even when your life isn't lived out the way the script has been written. Even when the disappointments come, he is always going to be faithful. And like Sarah, and this is good news to me, Sometimes things of faith take a while as God grows them in us. And he grows them in us through experiences. He grows them in us through disappointments. He grows them in us through things not always being the way that we thought they were going to be and yet learning to trust him in spite of them. Now there's a bunch of different ages in this room. Some of you are Young and your college students, you got all the world ahead of you. Others of us were a little older along the way. But in every single one of our cases, God has us on a journey of growing in faith, trusting Him for the next thing that's ahead of us. What's yours? Can you hang in there? Will you be like Sarah and think, wow, I'm not sure, maybe God needs a little help? Or do we put everything that we are into the one place that we can? And that is to the God and Savior at the foot of the cross. One final little thought from Lucado. God changes Sarah's attitudes about trusting him. And he gives her a testimony. Here's her testimony. God's right. When I go and do things my way, I get a headache. When I let God take over, I get a son. You try to figure that out. All I know 
is that I'm the first lady in town to pay her pediatrician with a social security check. Let me pray for you. God, as we live out lives in this time between the time, between the promises and the ultimate fulfillment of you taking us into the wonders of eternity, you have given us a promise that you're with us always, and you have been the one who has birthed faith in us. You've created us in us. You, you strengthen it in us through your word and through your sacraments and through the encouragement and the words that our brothers and sisters say and speak into our hearts and lives where we get to make this journey together. God, thank you that even in the uncertainties, you're there. Even when things didn't come out the way we planned, you're there. And you're the God that will walk with us always. Lord, grow that in all of us that are here today as you continue to make those steps in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.